And it's a famous story. We'll have uh, many things that come after it, like a famous painting. This is a painting done by uh, Peter Paul Rubens in 1609. And this story is so famous that two, at least, that I know of, two movies were made about it. One, very old one, 1949, which won two Oscars. So if you can get a, a hold of that uh, a video, you ought to be watching it. Directed by Cecil DeMille, the same director of the Ten Commandments, the one where Charlton Heston was uh, Moses. Then another later one, not so famous, 1996, this one won no Oscars, but it stars Elizabeth Hurley, one of those very pretty actresses. So today, I want to do a skit uh, to compete for an Oscar. <laughs> it's, it's only a voice-only voice skit, and so you decide. You decide whether uh, this is uh, Oscar quality or not. Hello, handsome. What's your name? Funny you haven't heard of me. I'm, I'm a hero, and I'm a judge, you know? My name is Samson. I can tell from your accent that you're not from around here. No, I'm from Zora, and you are from Sorak. So matching, right? Oh, so, Sansom, I suppose you're a gorgeous hunk like you would have five to six beautiful wives? No lah. My only wife was burnt at the stake. It's a long story. Them, them Philistines, they've got no honour. They threatened to burn her and got her to extract an answer to a riddle from me. Wow, seven days and seven nights she was crying, drove me mad, so I gave her the answer. And then she passed the answer to the Philistines, and I lost the bet. So I had to kill 30 other Philistines to get 30 Armani suits to pay off the bet. And then they gave her away to my best men. And so I got mad again. So I used 300 foxes and, and, and tied their tails together and burned their tails and then burned all their crops and then they burned my wife and my father-in-law. And oh, I, um, I slept with a hooker too. But that doesn't count as wife. So enough of me. Let's talk about you. What's your name? My name is Delilah. And I'm sure I'd like to get to know you better, Samson, is it? You want to know more about me? Uh, yeah, tell me a little bit more about I yourself. I am leader of the Hebrews. <laughs> my own people... Right. But they once tied me to wow. tie me up so that they, 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 they can turn me over to the Philistines. It took 3,000 of them to tie me up. Oh, but wow. I broke the ropes. Oh, wow. You're a likable guy, Samson. Um, you know, uh, yeah, so my goodness, you are strong. Your muscles are so big. Yep. I picked up the jawbone of a decomposing donkey and I beat to death 1,000 Philistines. Oh, my word. You are so grossly romantic. Tell me more. Well, once I slept with a prostitute from Gaza. And when I woke up, I found the townspeople had trapped me by closing and locking the city gates. They were going to kill me. But I tore the city gates right off its hinges. And I carried the city gates to the top of the hill overlooking Hebron. So how about you and me, Delilah? Let's go on a date, shall we? Um, well, we hold it there. I know you're just the man I've been searching all my life, but 
Before I get serious, you know, I need to know his limitations. Baby, I've got no limitations. Oh, really? Not even bad grammar, huh? <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> ah, right. Uh, well, you know, I want to know the secret of your strength. Is that too much to ask? I get my strength from the Lord Almighty. Now let's go bake out. Ah, uh, wait, wait, uh, just a minute. Um, how do you how do you turn it off? I've not even been turned on yet, and I was hoping that you take care of that. So let's go party. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let let, let me tell you this, Samson. I'm really frightened of your great strength. Maybe if I knew just how to turn it off for a while, we can, you know, do it till dawn. You know. Well, in that case, you can tie me up with seven thongs. Seven thongs? Oh my gosh, kinky! I think I'll just use seven fresh leather thongs, you know, and then not the lacy ones. So, what are you saying is that if I just um, tie you up with uh, seven thongs like this, and you uh, lose your strength? Mm, let's let's just try that. Oh, the thongs are torn apart, and well. Samson, darling, that is a joke on me, right? How about a little smooch, Delilah? Wait, as soon as I find out how to turn off your source of strength. Oh, come on. Oh well, it's nice meeting you, big boy. Bye. All right, all right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you just tie me up with seven new ropes, I'm done for. Okay, let's see. Well, I uh, mm, just happen to have uh, seven uh, new ropes here to tie you up. There, let's try that. Tear the rope apart again. Um, you know, this time I am not amused. Wait a minute, Delilah. Where are you going? There's there's plenty of other fish in the sea, you know, Samson. All right, all right, Delilah. I'll tell you. The secret of my strength is in my hair. If you weave seven pieces of cloth into my hair, I'm like a jellyfish. Oh yeah, there's no strength in your personality. Uh, okay, sorry. What, 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 what? I was just saying that if I weave these seven strips of cloth in your hair, uh, okay, let's try that. Samson tears the strips out. Delilah, I had you going there for a while, didn't I? Uh, yes, and you have me going now. No, 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 no! Please don't go! Please don't go! I will tell you this time. I swear. This better be good, man. The secret is in my hair, like I said. But cloths. Have nothing to do with it. It's my hair itself. I've never had it cut. If I ever shave off my hair, I'd be like a worm. So now, how about you and me? Let's go ah, party. Ah, there you go. You see, it didn't take you very much. It doesn't hurt to tell the truth, did it, darling? Okay, right. So as soon as you drink this cocktail mixed for you. There you go. Mmm, that tastes good. What's what what what's it got? And I feel faint. And, and wh where am I now? Where am I? Oh, excuse me, Samson, darling. You are in jail. How did I get in jail? Well, you fainted and you couldn't hold your liquor. I tried to lift you. You were just too heavy for me. So I lightened you up a little bit and shaved off your hair. What? Oh. Chains, you chain me, you shave on my head. Oh, I'm so sorry, darling. But for five times of a thousand hundred shekels of silver, 
I decided to admire you from Delilah, far. I never want to lay eyes on you again. Oh, I, that can be arranged. Ah, my eyes. So that ends. I, I have to give uh, credit to uh, Bob Snook. I found it somewhere <clears throat> on the internet. So what is the moral of this story? Quite wu liao, right? I mean, but it's from the Bible. It's, it's really like, so what's the meaning? Well, maybe uh, never tell a woman all your secrets. <laughs> or never say to a woman, I never want to lay eyes on you again, because then she'll poke it out. The Chinese have a saying that, Ying xiong nan guo, mei ren jian. Guan, guan, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, it sort of means uh, a hero will have great difficulty overcoming the threat of a woman's beauty, something like that. Well, Samson was judge. He was leader of the Hebrews for 20 years. And then he's recorded in the Bible way back in, he- in-, in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament as a hero of faith. But he came to such a sad ending Do you know what his last job was? Samson's last job was a blind entertainer, sort of like Stevie Wonder or, or what's his name? Uh, Bocelli. Uh, Andrea Bocelli. Judges 16 verse 25 says, while they were in high spirits, these were the Philistines who has captured Samson, they shouted, bring Samson to entertain us. And so they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them as a blind entertainer. How did Samson get so messed up? Samson was first attracted to a Philistine woman from Timnah and then a prostitute from Gaza and then another Philistine woman, Delilah, from Zorak. And most men would say that Samson right? Samson was uh, what? <laughs> How do you translate it? Uh, he, but actually, you cannot, you cannot blame the woman, right? Because it wasn't so much the woman, it was Samson himself. Samson self destructed. He fell not by a woman, but by weapons of self destruction. You've heard of WMD, meth. Uh, weapons of mass destruction. Today we look at three weapons of self-destruction which did Samson in. And which, if we are not careful, will do us in also. First was callousness. Samson was simply callous about life. He didn't seem to care very much about anything at all. He lacked that certain seriousness in life. And as far as we know, Samson sounds like an only an only child, as far as we can read in Judges. And you can see he has this tinge of impetuosity in his speech, like a spoiled little brat when he talked to his parents. You read in Judges 14, verse 2, when Samson returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now, get her for me as a wife. She's the right one for me. But one thing you've got to say about Samson is that at least he was honest. In the King James Version, it says, she's the right one, she pleases me well. In the New American Standard Version, it says, she looks good to me. He did not say, 
like some reality show, what TV millionaire or, or bachelor, what the, the bachelor is like, I'm so taken by her personality and her brains. You know? Samson was honest. It's all about the body and the looks. The dumber, the blonder, the better. <laughs> and then he threw this big party and he crafted this ridiculous riddle and with it, some wu liao, some meaningless uh, a bet of uh, 30 sets of, of expensive clothings. And then he experienced his first taste of a woman's secret weapon. His wife cried for seven days and seven nights. And he gave in, he gave the answer to the riddle. And the wife took it to betray Samson, her husband. And so Samson lost the bet. And then he lost interest in this wife from Timna, and, and she was given to his best man. And Samson really couldn't have been very serious about, about this wife because he called her a cow. You know why I found this? Okay, a young cow, but still a cow. Uh, verse uh, 18 of chapter 14, and he told the Philistines, if you had not plowed with my heifer, which is a young cow, you would not have solved my riddle. So the wife is a cow. And then he made some more silly choices as far as women were concerned. But to top it all, he didn't even know that his wife had been given away to his best man. He was just like callous. Couldn't care less about anything. About his wife, about his mission as the judge of Israel. And I really find some of his, his exploits quite, quite meaningless and, and even cruel. I mean, a, a, a bet over 30 sets of clothing, and then you, you burn crops you burn crops by tying the tail of fox, 300 foxes together, burn the tails and then let the foxes run through the crop field and then to burn the crops. This picture I took in uh, Hokkaido recently, just last week. So cute! Why would you tie their tails together and then you burn the fox and let the fox run? I mean, it's just meaningless. Wu Liao. And, and then the silly bedroom games he had with uh, Delilah. So, Wu Liao, again, I took this picture in, in Hokkaido. It says Wu Liao. It's not that Liao. Huh? It's just like no substance. Actually, it means free parking. <laughs> but I don't know why the Chinese words end up there like no substance. And really, if you look at the, 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 the chapters concerning Samson, it's like there's no substance to this man who was the judge and the leader of, of Israel. It's like, what did he do that, that meant anything at all? It's just a careless life, a life of couldn't care less, a man of no substance. So that's the first thing that we note about Samson. He, he was simply careless, couldn't care less. Secondly, well, carelessness then is a weapon of self-destruction. Secondly, Compromise. Compromise is another weapon of self-destruction. Samson was to be a leader of men. His profession was to be judge, a ruler over Israel. But instead of fulfilling his profession as judge, he went on to compromise his integrity with the oldest profession. He lost interest in his Philistine wife from Timnah, his next interest was a prostitute from Gaza. And his credibility was destroyed by this weapon of compromise. 
So much so that when the people saw Samson, they praised their pagan gods. You see in Judges chapter 16, verse 24, when the people saw him, when the people saw Samson, they praised their god. When the people see a compromised character, they will praise their god and they will laugh at your god. Samson was hit by the weapon of compromise. So Samson was destroyed by three weapons of self-destruction, callousness, compromise, and thirdly, contempt. You ever wondered how Samson could have fallen twice for essentially the same trick by two Philistine wives? And with his second Philistine wife, Delilah, he fell for it not just once, but three times. Remember, he was giving answers and tie my hair and leather thongs and, and all that. Three times, Delilah said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And then he tore it away. He said, nah, 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 nah. I think he developed a sense of invulnerability and a sense of entitlement that he was so specially anointed by God that no harm will come to him, no matter how he compromised or was callous. He developed this contempt for the grace of God in his life. Say, hey, in spite of all my messing around with Philistine women and, and prostitutes, I'm still judge, aren't I? Everything is okay. Everything is going to be okay. God is with me. And then comes the saddest verse in this story of Samson. It's found in chapter 16, verse 20. And this is when Delilah called out for the third time, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free, even though his hair was cut. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson by now, for the third time, should know well that his hair would be cut. After all, Delilah had tried three times to the the methods that he gave. He was tied with bowstrings, with, with thongs, he knew robes, his hair was woven into a loom, but he simply think that it didn't matter. He was regarding God's grace with contempt. Can I say this, that giftedness and success in life, also in ministry, is not a sign of holiness. It's merely a sign of God's grace. The Lord may be blessing you materially and you may even be reaping much fruit from your ministry. But in your private life, you have given in to callousness, to compromise and to contempt. Samson did. He fought the Lord's battle by day, but he disobeyed God's commandments by night. And Samson was hardened by his pride. He thought he could get out of any bind. He can escape from any situation that his own callousness got him into. But how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Samson never thought that one day God would give him over in the sinful desires of his heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, that God would give him over to shameful lusts, that God would give him over to a depraved mind to do what ought not 
to be done. If you recognize these phrases, it comes from Romans chapter 1, that God will allow you to do what you want to do. God has given him over to his own sin. And Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. Perhaps he didn't even care that the Lord had left him. He was just having too much fun fooling around with Delilah. He was contemptuous of God's goodness and grace. After all, he was the epitome of success for 20 years with one victory after another, getting out of one bind after another. But it was the grace of God, not the genius of Samson. But let's be clear about how Samson lost his anointing. It was not the loss of his hairiness. It was the loss of his holiness, that he was no longer set apart for the purposes of God. And that's where callousness and compromise and contempt will bring you. I quote this from somewhere. It says, It will bring you farther than you want to go, from a Philistine woman to a Gaza prostitute to Delilah. It will, bring, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, all those bedtime games with Delilah led to a very long stay in the Philistine prison. It will cost you more than you're willing to pay. It cost Samson his hair, his eyes, and then his life. Samson lost his vision, which was his purpose, his calling, his bearings, his, his energies were so much, but it was all unguided. He became a loose cannon. Because he was callous, because he compromised, because he was contemptuous. And so now the lesson. If we could now look at Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 8. Let me read that to you from verse 8 to 16. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Bible tells us to live in the light. If you have to hide in darkness, it's already a danger sign. If you have to hide some accounts, if you have to hide something from your wife, something from, I don't know, People, it's already bad news. So live in the light. Do not live in darkness. And secondly, redeem the time. The King James Version of make the most of every opportunity in verse 16 here says redeeming the time for the days are evil. So do not be careless with time. Do not live a wu liao, a meaningless life, a careless life. <coughs> and then do not compromise your testimony. That's all you have. When people see you, will they praise your God? Or will they laugh at your God and praise their own God? Someone very brave and very humble shared this with me one time. It's over 10 years ago. 
He said he was visiting a pornography site in his office one day. And then a friend he had been trying to reach to share the gospel with happened to walk by and saw that and then quietly walked away. And this guy said, my testimony was compromised. And this unbelieving friend that I've been trying to reach has never stepped into the church ever since. Your testimony, your character is so important. It's the same principle. Live in the light. Choose to live in the light. And don't do this toto more more business. Okay, I, again, I don't know how to translate this. Huh? Toto more more in literal translation is like still, still, caress, caress. Okay, uh, you go and figure out what it means. <laughs> Spend time wisely. Do not compromise your testimony. What about the third one? Have we ever been contemptuous about God or about the things of God? Do we show contempt? If I ask you now, you probably cannot think of an instance where you have been openly in contempt of Almighty God. The Israelites thought the same way too. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, they, they asked, how have we shown contempt for your name? I cannot figure out a single instance. My life is not so bad, quite holy. I think there's not a whole lot of difference between the ancient Israelites and modern-day Singaporeans. Most of us cannot think of when we have shown contempt for God. Samson probably thought the same way. And the Lord's answer in Malachi was very pointed, very, very straightforward. He simply said two things. In verse 7 of chapter 1, he said, You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? And God says, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. Other versions say that the Israelites despise the Lord's table. Another version says that the Israelites in Malachi's time showed no respect for the Lord's table. And therefore, we show contempt for the Lord's table. In today's terms, we need to ask ourselves if we have shown contempt for the Lord's table. The Lord's table, one expression of it, the clearest one, is the Holy Communion. It is titled Holy. The Lord invites us to His table but do we show more respect for a friend, maybe your boss, who invites you to his home for dinner, than you show for the Lord's table? And this Holy Communion is a meal paid for, not by credit card, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And so if we like just saunter into church at 9.30 and... and and then we proceed to take the Holy Communion without even offering a prayer, uh, without offering a hymn of thanksgiving because we are late. If we have some unforgiveness in our heart and we saunter in and we take the bread and we take and, uh, and then we, hallelujah, are we not showing contempt for the Lord's table? And that's one thing that Malachi pointed out. The second thing that Malachi pointed out was about contempt 
is an unacceptable sacrifice. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8 says, When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor, to your boss. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So, have we brought unacceptable sacrifice before the Lord? Today or in the past? Would what we have brought today to worship be acceptable to our governor, to our secular bosses? Would we be more jubilant in praise watching the English Premier League than here in PPH? Would we be more attentive when our boss is speaking than when the preacher is preaching? What sacrifice are we to bring in this day and age in the 21st century since we don't bring diseased animals to church? We are to bring the sacrifice of praise. And we can read that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. The undiseased sacrifice that we bring to God today is a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips that confess His name. To do good, to share with others, to obey leaders, to submit to their authority, to make their work a joy. Very, very simple lessons today. So today, sermon has been very, very negative and hard-hitting. I can't help it if I'm to remain true to the text and to the principles of expository preaching that everybody talks about. But there is grace to be found. There is grace to be found. There was grace for Samson, and there is grace for us. In spite of all his callousness, his compromise, his contempt that was shown by Samson, he found grace in his hour of need. And it was just a prayer away. If you read Judges chapter 16, verse 28, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. O sovereign Lord, remember me. Strengthen me. And that's all it takes. If you read Samson's life from chapter 14 to 16, there's really is, is callousness, compromise, contempt, very wuliao, no real meaning to his life at all. <clears throat> but right at the end, his prayer essentially had two words. Remember me, strengthen me. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, he's listed as a hero of faith. That is the grace of God. And today, I believe that all of us need to pray in the same way. Lord, Remember me. I'm a child of God. Okay, totally undeserving. I often bring diseased animals and I have contempt for the Lord's table. But remember me. It's your grace that made me a child of God. Now strengthen me. 
Strengthen me to do good, to share, to obey leaders, to make the life of joy, to submit. Very, very simple lessons. So brothers and sisters, let's just be careful. Be careful about weapons of self-destruction, a careless life, compromise and contempt. But all that can be put behind us as we come to the Lord's throne of grace. So shall we pray? Let's pray a simple prayer. God, remember me. God, strengthen me. Just like to give all of us a moment of silence as we come before His throne of grace in all humility, in penitence also, to come and receive the grace of Jesus. And we can leave behind our life of callousness. We can leave behind whatever compromises that we have made in life. And we can leave behind the contempt that we might have shown at the Lord's table or with unacceptable sacrifice. All those can be left behind. And now let's come before God. God, remember me. God, strengthen me for the days ahead to do good, to share, to obey my leaders, and to make their life a life of joy. Thank you, gracious God and Heavenly Father, that you are a God of grace. And all it takes for us to come before you it's just a prayer in Jesus' name. And that's what we do now. God, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We ask of you for forgiveness. We ask of you, Lord, to remember. Remember us that you have anointed us sons and daughters of Almighty and all-loving God, that we bear your image. And Lord, strengthen us as we go out into a world that wants to reshape us. Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen us to be witnesses, to bear testimony, to tell of your goodness in our lives, especially your forgiveness. No matter what we might have done in callousness, compromise or contempt, you have forgiven and you have set us again on the right path. You have called us once again, my precious child, the apple of my eye. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Thank you, God. And now strengthen us to do good, to share, to obey, to submit. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.